We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by M-Prize Bank, your partner in Possible. Coming up, the latest episode of 21 Questions, a Q&A-style show covering whatever our subscribers feel like hearing about. And it's presented by Macadoodles, your one-stop shop for beer, wine, and spirits. Now in Kansas City, the latest episode of 21 Questions begins now. What's up, Chiefs Kingdom? Welcome to this episode of 21 Questions presented by our friends over at Macadoodles. They've got the store over in Lee Summit, so if you're in the Kansas City area, you need to stock up on your latest beer, wine, liquor, whatever it is, make sure to go check out Macadoodles. Get uh, tasting centers. they got all kinds of events and tastings that they have all the time, so make sure to check that out. Uh, appreciate their partnership. And we've got a special guest uh, joining us, not the first time, He's been on 21 Questions, but it's been a while since you and I have done it together. Mr. Mike DeVito, former Chiefs and Jets defensive lineman, who's one of the best dudes I ever covered, and I am excited to talk a little Chiefs football, a little NFL football with you today, Mike. How goes it? Man, BJ, it's going great, brother. I'm a little bit self-conscious, man. You look great. The hair looks good. Like the, the <laughs> That's right. look nice. Tan. Damn, I'm like... I'm bald and just uh, just going downhill, brother. But doing well, doing well. Thanks for having me on, man. I appreciate that. You just gassed me up a little bit before you get the show started. Get me feeling good about <laughs> That's myself. the truth. So I appreciate That's you. That's the truth. All right, let's get into these questions again. This is 21 questions. This is the first time you're listening to the show. These questions have been submitted through our Discord channel, so you can be a part of our Discord by being a paid subscriber to the KCSN Daily Substack newsletter, just $30 a year. You get more than 300 newsletters sent straight to your email inbox for only $30. Some of the best Chiefs content you can find, film breakdowns, all kinds of stuff. And we've got a community of, I think it's just over 500 people uh, that are constantly communicating chat rooms inside the Discord. Kind of a cool little community in there. Uh, but these questions are coming through the Discord uh, in case you were wondering where they come from. Let's get going with the questions. And this first one is from Reed 3760 and uh, Mike, we'll both answer this one. It's just who is going to be the offensive and defensive rookie of the year this year? We're gonna we're just gonna get the offensive one out of the way. Uh, I think there's only real two options that it could be for the Chiefs this year, considering it's only two skill position players for the Chiefs who are rookies who might get on the field. I don't believe Wanya Morris, the offensive tackle, is going to win rookie of the year uh, for the Chiefs. Um, so you're looking at either the undrafted rookie, Deneric Prince, the running back. Um, or Rasheed Rice, the wide receiver out of SMU. I'm going to go with Rasheed Rice out of SMU because he was drafted high, and he's the only skill position player who might fit that mold. Um, on the defensive side, Mike, uh, a few more options there, obviously a big one, and hopefully uh, we're talking about Felix Andy Duque Uzama uh, being that for the Chiefs, but uh, kind of how do you see that playing out? Yeah, I think with Uzama being drafted as high as he is, that that's sort of the name that you hope for, right? I mean, that's the the pressure and the weight that comes being with the first round draft pick. But I'll tell you what, um, having broken down the film on Coburn, the defensive tackle yeah. out of Texas, I'll tell you, man, I, like I can't believe he got drafted in the sixth round. Cause when I think about that when I, so it, when I was coming out, I was an undrafted free agent. So I, 
you know, basically, you know, sixth, seventh round undrafted free agents. So a lot of those guys are on the same, you know, skill set, same skill level. Um, I was nowhere near as, I mean, it's, he was fun to watch when we broke him down with Craig and DJ, um, on, on DJ's show. Uh, that was, I was just like, wow, he's really good. I, again, I can't believe he went to the sixth round. So, yeah. uh, as much as we want the first round pick to, to be that guy, I wouldn't be surprised if Colbert's in the mix, uh, you know, as we get towards the end of the season. Yeah. I think he's going to be a fun one. I think BJ Thompson, I think it's going to, yeah. I think he might be a year or two away in development. Uh, but you look at just talent, athletic profile. Um, you can't find guys who move and bend and just have acceleration. Uh, like that at that point in the draft. So he could be a fun one to watch. Like I said, it may take him a little bit while uh, while to develop. And then Shamari Connor is the other one, uh, just because of his versatility, that you can do a lot of different things with him, that if it clicks for him uh, mentally of what Steve Spagnuolo would ask him to do at all the different places he's going to be lining up, uh, he could be another valuable piece uh, that does some fun things. Uh, another question, we'll stay with uh, L. Reed 3760, because um, this is a popular question that uh, I think everybody that covers the Chiefs have been talking about for the last... Uh, a couple of months. And if you were GM, what would a Chris Jones extension look like knowing you have some young players that are going to get new contracts soon? Mike, I'll say it kind of falls into the to the market. You know, it depends where the market lies. Uh, right now, it's looking anywhere between, depends upon Quinn and Williams, uh, the Jets star defensive lineman, when he gets his contract. Based on the reports, he's looking at between 25 and $30 million a year. Uh, then with guarantees upwards of 90 to $100 million. Uh, Aaron Donald has set the market at $31 million a year. Um, you know, Deron Payne just signed for, I believe, $22.5 million a year. So you'd expect Chris Jones to be somewhere between Deron Payne and what Chris and what Quinnen Williams is looking for is that 25 to 30, but not quite to where Aaron Donald is. Yeah. And so, no, you're not a cap guy, but just how do you see this playing out and as a player, as a teammate in the locker room? How does when players are going through this and your teammates and especially guys that are in the room with you, how do you handle that? Do you have conversations with guys or does this stuff just not come up? Yeah, it didn't come. It doesn't come up that much, but because um, you want to let the business stuff sort of um, handle itself and you don't want to get involved in guys business. Um, so it's a little bit of a touchy subject. At the same time, you are sort of on pins and needles when you have a guy like Chris Jones hmm. with an uncertain future. Uh, down the line um, because given you know his production and the type of playmaker he is gosh I know it's just this is such a hard team you know if anybody can figure out how to do this because you, you're right I mean you have to pay him I would take Chris Jones over Quinn Williams oh, uh, yeah. you know I mean I think you're talking about Aaron Donald and Chris Jones at the at the top so you have to pay him somewhere upwards of that amount and you know when you have a team like this there's so many guys that are, you know, that deserve the sort of top of their uh, pay grade. So yeah. it's tough. It's tough. You know, when you have, when you have somebody like Patrick Mahomes, he's the guy that's winning you games, right? So obviously Chris Jones makes a massive difference and you need, you want him as, as much as you can on the team. But yeah. uh, you know, if they, if they stripped everybody out of there, but you still had Pat Mahomes, you still have a chance to win the Super Bowl. I mean, that's how good he is at that position. Um, yeah. But I don't I think, know. I mean, I know what he deserves. He deserves to be paid at the top. Yeah, and I think there's a lot of layers to this. And it's not like any one point is any... There's a hundred different variables that go into these things happening or not happening or why they should happen, why they shouldn't happen, and the fallout if it doesn't happen. And I will say, and the Chiefs have been good about this, but I know one thing that, that is important to them, and you always see it with good teams, is the message that it sends the young guys in the locker room by taking care of a guy like Chris financially. Yeah, that's stepped a good in, point. It's worked hard, done everything. He said he's matured a lot um, mm -hmm. since, he's, since he came into the league. He's become cool a leader in that way. And that it tells guys like Keandre Coburn, it tells guys um, that are coming up through this system that if you do all of the right things and you prove to be one of the best players in the league, we will take care of you. And that way the money, the extensions go to guys who are in that room. Every once in a while you pay big money to a guy outside. Right. What do you tell the three or four players lined up for deals when you keep going outside to bring in mercenaries, you call them to pay them from the outside to come in and fix your problems Right. where you tell the guys, Hey, you come in here, you're a part of this. We support you. We're a big family. You take care of your family. Chris Jones is part of that family. He's done everything you've asked him turn into one of the best defensive players in the league. And then you go and reward him. This is all negotiations. It's all part of it. 
but I like the message that it sends to everybody coming into this organization. If you do the right things, you will get rewarded here. Gosh, you know, BJ, and that's such a that's such a great point. I think I've been away from the game, it, you know, the locker room for so long that you forget things like that. And you're exactly right as an as a younger player, guy coming up in the system, to know that hey, you know, the organization's going to take care of take care of us. You know, we go out there and prove it, and they're gonna they're gonna reward us for doing that. Um, no. And they're not going to be bringing guys in from all over the place. Um, you're, that goes a long way in the locker room. You're, you're 100% right. And I've been on teams where that was the case, and I've been on teams where that wasn't the case. And it does make a big difference. So absolutely, yeah. you've changed my mind. Uh, <laughs> I think I'm on. You know, I was on paying him. You know, I'm, I'm for paying him uh, regardless. But de- definitely yeah. now with that point, it's a good point. It's got to make sense for everybody. And the other thing that's got to make sense for, and this is stuff that doesn't get talked about publicly, um, a lot, and again, not a huge piece of it, but just understanding the dynamics of the negotiations um, or who are the agents who were involved. Um, Chris Jones' agent, the Katz brothers, uh, Mike and Andy, like they aren't the largest agency out there. Yeah. And this is not a knock, so not taking it is kind of disrespect in any kind of way. I like them, respect them, they've taken care of me have a relationship with those guys, but they're not a huge agency. So if they don't get Chris, who is one of the best defensive players in the league, a top tier deal, every other agent in the league will be using that against them when they start recruiting the seniors in college, the juniors coming out now that they couldn't get Chris Jones paid. And so when players are coming up on deals and there's negotiating, if it's Drew Rosenhaus, Drew Rosenhaus doesn't need to get his next guy, the absolute best deal because he's proven he's got the, resume of all the guys he's taken care of right. doesn't necessarily happen that way with new young agents that have to prove and kind of make their way and say like you come to me i will get you taken care of like the best agents and the best players in this league right they know that his right. agents know if we don't get him this top end deal it's going to be used against us when we try to recruit the next chris jones two three four years down the road and they don't forget that they used everything they can to negotiate and so that's something the Chiefs are aware of too. That's another fantastic point, BJ. You're exactly right. Again, another sort of um, um, another uh, line of reasoning that I didn't even think about. I mean that that's that's a really that's a really good point. And just from for Chris's sake, I mean he's earned it. You know what I mean? Like yeah. he he shouldn't want anything less than the top anyway, because uh, yeah. he's earned that. So, but yeah, no, that's a that's a great point. Very good point. All right, let's move on to a few more questions. And this one is from Julian Sale. Which UDFAs do you want to make the roster or practice squad? And which UDFAs are most likely to make roster or practice squad? This is this is a tough one because they haven't really played yet much. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the rookie minicamp, which is just kind of a mess. Uh, I have nobody, to look no, up. Nobody knows, what nobody knows yeah. what they're doing. Uh, I think... To go back, Daneric Prince, I think the running back, um, I think he's at Tulsa. I think he's got a great chance just because I know they got Jared McKinnon back. Obviously, Isaiah Pacheco uh, is the guy. Uh, but there's an opportunity there for a young running back. We've seen in the past, whether it's starting on the practice squad and then moving their way up. We saw that with Sharkandrick West, the guy that you played with, guy that I'm close with. Saw it with Spencer Ware uh, when they picked him up on that reserve futures deal when he was out of the league, uh, finishing up with Seattle uh, back before he got his opportunity. And so running back is an opportunity there. Uh, for a young player to kind of jump up out of nowhere. Some of the positions, running back, or excuse me, uh, offensive line, uh, there's a lot of numbers there already. Receiver, there's a lot of numbers there already. It's got to shake out who kind of earns the spots, a fast, fascinating position. Uh, but that's a tough one. I don't know if there's a path to to really any of the UDFAs, again, outside of Den Prince, that I would say right now have a good chance of making. There's some talent, Truman Jones, Cam Jones, there's some talented guys that they signed. Um, but there's some guys ahead of them that are also young that are developing. Yeah, you know, I haven't kept up with the undrafted free agents this this year. I should have. Um, what I will say, having been an undrafted free agent, is I'm rooting for all those guys because mm-hmm. I don't know how the hell you make a team nowadays, given how restricted the timing is for the the time is for these guys to be in the in the uh, facility yeah. and doing so. I'm telling you, BJ, when I first got going, I was you know 12 hours a day during OTAs. We were there. <laughs> I mean, we had, I had nine days off for the summer, two a days, all training camp. I mean, you just, you had so much more time. It was harder, but you had so much more time to learn and grow and develop as a player. These guys basically have to come in 
can be playing at the level of a veteran right away if they're yeah. going to contribute or, or else they have no chance. And so and you, I only saw it one way. I know you played for multiple teams, but the one thing that always stood out to me about the way that people talked that either were with different teams that then signed with the chiefs or coaches who had been in other places is how quick and how efficient Andy Reid's practices are. That if you don't know what you're doing, they don't slow things down for you. And if they rehuddle like more than once during a practice, like the second time they all rehuddle, he's going to say something and it's about as mad as he would ever get. At least okay. I would see during the offseason. They re- rookie minicamp is a test of patience for the entire coaching staff because <laughs> nobody knows what's going on. Just gets to know what to do. Right. Uh, but you get to OTAs, the young guys mixing in with veterans who know what they're doing. When a receiver runs to the wrong spot or lines up the wrong way, uh, you can't not know what you're doing. And mentally, they, those guys are just deer in the headlights for like months. BJ, they, don't, they don't know what they're doing. On average, Andy Reid's, you know, uh, uh, a period during, uh, you know, a team period during OTAs or training camp, usually there are some exceptions, usually about 10 plays. And it breaks down to about five, three, and two, right? The, fir- the first team gets five, second team gets three, and then the third team gets so like, you got those guys have two reps, you know, yeah. period, maybe to make the yeah. team. And that's in OTAs and training camp. Um, it's, it is, this is a hard, uh, league to prove yourself in as a guy coming in, uh, undrafted. And so I'm rooting hard for all those guys because I just, I wouldn't have played the NFL in this NFL. I wouldn't have been able to make the team. I wasn't good enough. The, the, the way I was able to get a foot up was we had so much time to learn and grow. And I was able to develop. If I didn't have that, there was no chance I wouldn't have played. Yeah. Uh, we've got a couple of questions coming up from a uh, friend of the program, huge supporter of KCSN Grace and Jaspers. We'll get to those right after this quick break. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. Hey, what's up? BJ Kissel hanging out with Mike DeVito on 21 questions for this week. Mike, we've got a couple questions from Grace and Jaspers. Uh, First question, who will be this year's Leo Chanel as in the guy who gets a spike in snaps as you get into the playoffs, and particularly the Super Bowl. Who's a young player that you could see maybe spiking some of those reps? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, That is a good question. You know who I'd like to, you know, I know our offensive line is solidified in certain areas. Uh, um, Remind me of the, I'm terrible with names, BJ, the player that we drafted last year from, uh, was it Kentucky, their offensive lineman? Darian Kennard? Yeah, I want to see him. He looks like, like looking at him last year, he's a big, nasty dude. Um, And what is he? Miniweather guy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And he has that, what was he, the best blocker in the SEC, I think it was, coming out, like the top-rated run blocker in the SEC. He's a physical Um, dude. Yeah, yeah, I like, yeah. 
I like guys like that. And they already have that up front, right? I mean, they already have guys that are big, nasty guys. I think you add him into the mix. Um, I, I get, so the guy we got from Jacksonville, where is he playing? He's playing right back. <laughs> Who knows at this point? No, okay. It's, it's, so the, it's the messaging that, that got weird because they pay him like a left tackle. He's only played right tackle in the NFL. They said he's athletic enough to play left tackle and he could play over there. But then you're drafting Wanya. You've got Donovan Smith who are left tackles. So like all I wanted to avoid was putting a guy left tackle who's only played right tackle and then putting a guy right tackle who's only played left tackle. <laughs> I was like, what are we doing here? It's not like it was 20 years ago with the blind side and where the guys rush from and now with the fronts being on multiple, like all the different things that people exactly, do. Put yeah. people where they're comfortable, but I'm not going to pretend to know more than Andy Eck does. Yeah, no, no doubt. Yeah, no, they're in good hands. It's weird to me. Yeah. If anybody can get them to figure it out, it's Andy Heck. So, yeah, given I, you know, the sort of variability there, I'm not sure how it's going to play out, but I would like to say Kennard do, you know, yeah. I'd like to see what he gets in year two. Uh, he's had the reps. He, he's mastered. He's starting to master the offense to now let him, yeah. you know, I'm sure the game's slowing down a little bit for him. And when you've got a guy that plays with that violence and that nastiness, that's yeah. when, it, you know, once the game slows down, now he can be who he really wants to be out there. So, yeah, yeah. you know, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. So those are the guys that you need to be ready to go because right. if there's an injury to like Trey Smith, Kennard plays inside. I know he played tackle, I believe. Could be sliding inside. If Trey Smith gets injured, you need guys to step up and be ready to go. The player I was thinking was Shamari Corner, uh, the rookie yeah. defensive back, because one thing with Steve Spagnolo, and I know the lab guys talk about this a lot, uh, and it's kind of known now about Spags, is that he likes to early in the season kind of do a little bit of everything, and the defenses are kind of all over the place from week to week. Yeah. And then the later in the season he gets, he really starts to hone in on what they're successful with. Right. And they just kind of lean into that where all of a sudden their defenses get better. Well, for a player like Shamari Connor who can play kind of that not the same level, so I'm not comparing them as players, but from a versatility standpoint, kind of what Tyron Matthew. He plays right. some nickel, could play some safety, he can move around, do some different things. You're going to deal with a young player with a defensive coordinator who early in the season likes to throw a lot mm. at people. You start to hone in on what these guys can do they get enough snaps we saw with the group last year as much as those rookies were playing especially the dbs you get another versatile guy in there that can blitz can come off the edge who can blitz from the nickel spot can do different things with him uh in coverage playmaking type defensive back i would love to see him get a player like that get some more snaps but you know he's got some competition uh out there let's move on grace jasper second question uh i want to ask you about this because you played with a few of these guys uh, who is this year's Darius Fountain in the preseason? And I'm going to make the assumption uh, that it's just a player in the preseason that just puts up a ton of numbers because they're getting a lot of reps, a lot of snaps. Uh, Justin Ross has kind of been the guy, Mike. I don't know how much you followed this, but Chiefs fans, and it's probably NFL fans in general, you always fall in love with that new skill position guy that hasn't quite the young player, hasn't earned it yet, but has all the talent in the world. And you kind of you kind of prop them up a little bit before they've earned it. Hmm. And I don't mean that in a bad way, but you put maybe unrealistic expectations. I think there are Chiefs fans out there that think Justin Ross is the number three receiver for the team right now. Yeah. And kind of tongue-in-cheek, but honestly kind of serious for some of the fans, the way that he's just been discussed. Over the years, we saw it your first year, I believe it was Mark Harrison. And then it was a Ross Travis. And nothing against the player was not their fault. They just got propped. The fans saw a couple highlights, and all of a sudden, there's unrealistic expectations. My guy was Kenny Cook, who I mm. believe was there at the same time. I loved his story, loved everything about him, excelled in the offseason. And then as soon as he got to the season, put the pads on, and everything just changes. It's a little bit faster. It's a little bit more intense. Uh, for me, I believe that Justin Ross is going to be that guy because I think he's going to get a lot of reps. He needs to prove that he can play special teams, that he can understand where to be on every uh, – concept that they call call routes and play that they yeah. call they they have to trust that it'll be in the right spot but uh he's my guy do you have a player that you kind of are excited to see in the preseason young player to step up um or give any stories of players that you've played with not to be disrespectful about it but just that just absolutely tore it up that whether due to injury or just lack of opportunity you felt like maybe got not the short end of the stick but they could have done more that you just saw look absolutely phenomenal that never got that chance. Yeah. You know, I had a few of those years uh, <laughs> in my career where I had, you know, I had a great preseason and then just sort of was average during the regular season. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it is, it, 
you know, I guess I'll just speak broadly. I don't want to say, you know, I want to pick a certain player or things like that. The thing is, preseason. Yeah, yeah, the, <laughs> yeah, right. The preseason games are are not anywhere near the um, the level of the regular season. I know that's an obvious thing, but nobody's game planning really. Yeah. Uh, there's no teams are running the same exact plays. In fact, one way that I used to get an advantage on a team. Um, if we were playing on the preseason, you know, nobody we, nobody would watch Phil. So I would go in, and what I would do is I would watch that team's first preseason or whatever game we were playing. Say it's the first preseason game of the year. Watch their first preseason game from last year. And those are the exact same plays you're going to get because you know that's where that offensive coordinator is given yeah. the sort of install of their offense. And so sometimes preseason can be a very hard tell um, as far as, uh, you know, where a guy's talents and abilities are, because there are some special, there are some ways you can take advantage of the fact that it's the preseason. And, you know, as an older guy, I remember just thinking, I just, we just got to get this done. Let's wrap this up. You know, there was not a serious thing. So, uh, but yeah, no. And, and, you know, so remind me, BJ, how did they do it now with the, they got rid of the fourth preseason game. So is it yeah. the third preseason game that all the rookies play the whole game? Kind of. Everybody does it a little bit differently now that there's just three. Um, yeah. But it's going to be, and I think that's where like the roster numbers start to change because they have all the cut downs and they still have that third game. Do you have to put your starters out there, guys you don't want playing, but you still have to field a football game? Yeah. And you still, you're still selling tickets. You're still putting it on television. Like guys still have to play their actual positions exactly. that are out there. All of a sudden it becomes a numbers game. And I think that's why like the coaches, there's been this back and forth on how many games are we playing. When are the roster cut deadlines coming down? Right. As much as it is about giving more guys opportunities, it's also about not forcing guys that you don't want to get hurt to have to play in that last game because you've already had a cut down um, exactly. before that. So, well, yeah, and that's think, a, as a rookie, like my rookie year as an undrafted free agent and as a young guy, um, that was the game that you proved yourself, right? And what, um, what was nice about that game was there was no there was no starters, no veterans, really. And everybody that was on that field was trying to make their team. So yeah. everybody was going 100 miles an hour. I mean, that game was just, you know, violent. Um, and so that's, again, another thing I feel bad for, because that's one of those games that you can you can really hone in and say, oh, yeah, look at what this guy has. You know what I mean? Look what he's got. He was able to get out there, and everybody's going nuts, going 100 million miles an hour, not like the veterans in the first three games, and they're going out there and proving themselves. I mean, that's how I was able to make the team my rookie year. Was I had a great fourth fourth game, you know? I enjoyed the fourth preseason game, and not just because of those guys trying to make a team, but a lot of those guys, and I think to some extent, like a lot of them probably knew in the back of their minds that this may be the last football game I ever play, mm -hmm. and that they put all that time in. And then I had a different perspective because I was staying, like when I was with the Chiefs, I was staying on the sideline watching you guys, the veterans who like weren't playing in those games, get genuinely excited for the young guys. Yeah. And you, pro you probably knew like they weren't going to make the team, but you were fired up to watch those guys go make plays and celebrate on an NFL field. And like, I just got to appreciate it. And I also knew on the fourth preseason game, I on the sideline doing the TV stuff was going to be very busy because it's like, we want player. We want 15 yeah. player interviews. Uh, and you couldn't do them in the first half. The rule was it had to be in the second half. So you guys getting done, you knew your day was done. I was like, I'm coming over like, Hey, Brad, <laughs> can you grab Mike? Like yeah, question. That's right. Got, That's right. Three questions for him. And then I would ask <laughs> one There'd be a touchdown behind me. I had no idea what to do. <laughs> producer Ryan Gallon, producer yelling, yelling at, at you. Me. Yeah. <laughs> you know how hard it is to ask questions. I think you were one of the first people that ever, you and Jeff were always so good about it because I had zero experience with an IFB and did not know how to function by talking and listening to somebody and having somebody talk in my ear and comprehend what the person, because what would happen, I would completely lose track of what the person I was interviewing actually said. That's right. Very times I would transition out of it thinking, oh my God, if they just said something super personal or funny and I just completely ignore it because I'm trying to listen to what the guy in my ear is telling. BJ, when I, when I first retired, I did color commentary for the University of Maine and it was the same thing, right? You'd be sitting there and it'd be, you know, the play-by-play the -play guy would say it and you would get, I would get ready to say something and then all of a sudden the producer would come on and be talking while I was trying to talk. And I, every time I would stop because I would think everybody's hearing what that guy, you know, what he's saying. So I would just stop talking. Finally, I, no. quit. I was like, I'm done. After one season, I was like, I can't do this. I can't do 
it's funny to go back and watch now because I can tell if you ever saw me doing a player review, if I ever looked at the camera and just did like a blank stare, he said something in my ear I didn't appreciate. So I was like, I say anything. So I just looked at the camera like, <laughs> just real quick and just be like, that's it. Please stop telling me that. We're going to screw right. this broadcast up. That's right. Uh, I'm going to make an idiot out of myself any more than I was already trying not to. All right, let's right. move on uh, to the next questions. We've got uh, quite a few, some silly ones. Let's do a couple, couple fun ones here. Uh, it's actually Grayson Draspers. Um, it's a would you rather Okay. for the Chiefs this season. Would you rather hold Tyree Kill in that game against the Dolphins, which is over in Germany, to less than 25 yards receiving? Okay. Or sack Joe Burrow twice in our game and have whoever sacked him beat Orlando Brown Jr. for both of those sacks. Oh. It's kind of like a bopping a former player a little bit. Would you rather Tyreek under 25 or two sacks against OBJ? Yeah, I like OBJ. Uh, I would want to – I don't know if this is the – uh, most optimal thing for the, you know, given the situation for the team. But I would say uh, I would prefer to hold Tyreek Hill to 25. I want, oh, I like OBJ. I want him to do well. I like him a lot. In the in the regular season, I would definitely say out of the 25 yards. But from like a strategic standpoint, I like holding Tyreek under 25 yards. Again, Tyreek could have 180 yards and the Chiefs are still going to win that game. Exactly. We sacked Joe Burrow twice because OBJ gets beat. There's a better chance we win and that's going to be exactly. an important game. But that's overthinking what's a silly question. So <laughs> not, having, right. not having as much fun. But I, I would agree. I think holding Tyreek for as much trash talk is going to be happening yeah. during and leading up to it. You're not going to see that a lot with Burrow. You're not going to see it a lot with OBJ. May say a few things. Not anything close to like what Tyreek's going to do. He's a little bit loud. He's yeah. a little bit loud. He's, yeah. he's having fun with it. You, yeah. You're, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's having some fun. Um all right, let's. All right, here's one uh, from Matthew McNabb. There's a report out there that Chase Young might be traded from Washington. At what price would you be willing to trade for him? Put your GM GM hat on. Like, what would you be willing to give up for a player like Chase Young? A little different now because I mean, you've got George Karloftis, you've got Felix, so you've already got basically two guys that you yeah two first round picks over the last two years. Um, so it might be a little different, but I guess in theory. What would you be willing to to give up for a player like Chase Young? Yeah, I mean he's he's a game changing type guy. Jeez, uh, I don't know. Um, I would, you know, honestly, you love the rookie, the the first round pick. You want him to do well, but yeah, I guess as a veteran, I I would prefer to have a guy who's tried and true, who's proven he can do it in the league. Um, yeah. So, but what would you give up? I don't know. Would I don't know? What do you think, BJ? A second round I'd- pick. I don't know about the compensation. I just one or the other. Either if you give up a low pick and a lot of money, that's okay. It's giving up both that it's tough. And right. people are going to immediately think about Frank Clark. You gave up a first round pick and you paid a lot of money. It's just nothing is guaranteed. And I know it's a cliche throwaway line, but you can't guarantee anybody that you trade for is going to work out. It couldn't roll an ankle or just have some sort of yeah. fluke injury that derails everything. That when you give up resources for the cap, the money that you give up, and the picks, it puts way too much pressure to where you can only do just enough to make it worth it. You can't say that was a phenomenal deal. If you right. give up a really high draft, you give up a future first and you give up a, a max type deal. There's really no living going beyond what right. you just did. Like you're, you can only hit it. You can't supersede uh, what you want as far as value goes. Well, And how much better is he than Frank Clark? You think he's younger, he's healthier. Uh, well, I guess coming into it, he was healthier. He's obviously uh, been banged up in the league. But, um, yeah, at this point, I'm not sure I would give up much. If this question was asked before the draft, obviously the answer would be different. Yeah. Uh, right. I like your your thought of I, would I like him on the team? Absolutely. Would I be willing to give up a top 50, top 60 pick, a first or second round pick for him, plus the money that you're going to have to give him? No. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't give up a second round pick for a one-year rental that then you play around with the franchise tag of the future. You've got two young guys. Develop those guys. Yeah, bring Frank back. I'd love to bring Frank back uh, or Carlos. Dunn. Bring another veteran that can mix into that room. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm saying. Work with the younger guys. Like that's a better plan for me. I always bring as much talent as you can. That's why I brought sure. up Frank. That's why I brought up Frank Clark because I I think you know why not just bring him back. You know what I mean? Yeah, I 
anybody who's ever heard anything that I've said over the last two years knows how I feel about Frank Clark. Yeah. So uh, we can do that. All right. Here's a question from Nick Johnson. Mike, do you have any hobbies that you threw yourself into after retirement? Yeah, I am. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of a nerd. I, I decided- You're an uh, academic. Is it academic I mean, the, the non- I guess yeah. you can call it a nerd. I just say you're an actor. I'm a nerd. I mean, that's my wife calls me a nerd. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I jumped into the academic world and I have uh, two master's degrees in philosophy and I'm about to finish off my PhD in philosophy. So, yeah, I jumped into the books and, and uh, writing and studying and uh, and I, I, I enjoy it. Philosophy is similar to football in the sense that it's very competitive, right? It's a lot mm-hmm. about trying to win arguments and and uh you know there's different techniques and debating and things like that so that's why again i wanted to see what i could do with my mind and how i could i was able to do with my body i would see how far can i get with my mind um and so that's why i decided to do this but it did have there there is some parallel between football and philosophy and so i've I've enjoyed it. it's kept me kept me sane you know you've been published a couple times i've seen the stuff that you've posted on facebook it's well beyond uh, what my tiny little brain can call. Oh, you would get it. With the stuff, with the stuff that you're writing, you're very, you're not giving yourself enough credit. Uh, two master's degrees. Uh, it's pretty impressive. Uh, Thank you, What, what you've been doing and, and the stuff that you do. And, and our uh, fearless producer, uh, Mr. Jordan Foote, has informed us that Chase Young has a $10.99 million cap hit, and he's entering the last year of his deal. And so mm. maybe I'd give up a mid-round pick. It whatever I'd be willing to give up is not what they would take for a player of his caliber. Right. I would give up a fourth round pick for a one year rental at $10 million for a player like that. Right. And even if he's the starter and make Felix and, or Carl Loftus, a situational pass rusher, mix small in, I wouldn't give up more than that for a one year rental and then play around the franchise tag down there. I just, I don't play those games. Well, um, if I, I wouldn't do anything like that. Yeah. And going back to the Chris Jones thing, like this is my, my initial thought was, uh, you know, these guys obviously deserve it. But when you have Patrick Mahomes, you know, he's the guy that's going to, he's the guy that's winning you games. He's going to yeah. get you the Super Bowl. You remember the year that Justin Houston tied the sack record and we went nine and seven. Uh, you know what I mean? So, like, it's great to have those guys. And the more, you know, and they make, and, you know, Chris Jones is different. I mean, he makes key plays in key situations. So don't get me wrong. But again, you make it to these games with Mahomes doing what he does. And, I think if you put you could put an average defense out there, uh, if you can hold the team to 25, 30 points a game, you're going to win because KC yeah. going to put 45, 50 up, you know? So For that, sure. that makes it a little bit easier when you're thinking through these things is like, all right, well, we have Mahomes, so there's no super pressure to get a pass rusher or something like that because, you know, he's going to, you know, he's the guy. He's the guy. Yeah. All right, more with Mike DeVito. We got a couple personal questions for Mike. We got a couple of fun ones to, to end this episode. We'll be right back after this break. You're listening to KC Sports Network. We'll be right back after this. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. I promise, Mike, I have nothing to do with this question being submitted. I love um, it. I'm, cu- I'm curious your answer. You're too nice. You, I, yeah, you're going to give an answer that you can kind of expect anyway. Okay. Uh, but this is from uh, Christian Gumminger, the wonderful Christian who helps us out and runs our uh, KCSN Foundation and all the things that we do, giving back to the community. Shout out Christian. He asked, for DeVito, when you were playing, how excited were teammates to go and do press conferences or segments with the in-house team reporter 
with BJ? Did you guys hate it or did you love it? Try to be as honest as you can. Yeah, no, I will be honest. I, BJ, I'm doing this uh, and I've been doing this with you for the past few years because of who you are um, and in two in two different ways. First off, nice. the, how talented you are, um, but also the way you treated us as players. And I really enjoyed sitting down. Like when we, you and I are talking, whether it be in an interview when I was playing or doing this stuff, I sometimes I forget that we're recording because it's just nice to sit down and have a conversation with you. Um, and so, you know, when I, the, and the, the thing that's, uh, you know, it's always this way I would think with in-house reporters is that they're going to be a little bit easier on you than when you, you know, are dealing with beat writers and things like that who are trying to get a story, right? The in-house guy is going to, is going to angle, you know, the, the, the angle of the interviews is going to be towards the positive. Um, but BJ, you, you know, you did it, uh, you did it at a higher level. Um, again, both at, at, at your craft. Um, you were you were clearly very good at your craft, but then also the type of person you were was easy from day one to see. Oh yeah, this this dude is different. And so uh, again, that's why it was easy to jump in uh, to what you're doing here. And and I'm not surprised by the success that we're having uh, because we have you in charge. And so uh, so yeah, no, I mean, that, and that's all true. I I would love to make it more negative to to be more honest, but that's I'm being totally honest. You know, that's that's the way. Yeah, I'll say the one thing that I felt like I was always good at. Um, I always respected the player's time. I don't know if that was because I played sport. I didn't play professionally anything, but I played baseball in college. And like I understood what I understood very quickly was the time commitment, the effort that you guys put into what you did. So I became like fiercely protective. You know, get fiercely annoyed at the comments that you'd see on social. Like these guys don't care. They just make a bunch of money. They don't care about this. And like. I sat and watched these guys get on and off a plane. I sat there at training camp and watched what they went through. It was at every workout. Like I know what these guys put into this. It's like, don't come to me with that. Like I, I wouldn't take that very well. But the other thing, like I was always respectful of your time. Didn't want to chit chat. But the one thing I'll say that I felt, feel like in-house reporters kind of get the benefit of the doubt, or it's a little easier to talk to us because and and not all of them are like this. And I don't mean this because I'm friends with beat writers. Like, like, close with those guys understand the work that they put in that hard that job is too but if you're talking to a scrum or you're talking to a beat writer one-on-one and you say something and it just you mix the words up or it comes out the wrong way or you say it and then once it's transcribed and it's read the context could be read a lot of different ways where i've sat in those pressers and somebody said something you don't think anything of it and then all of a sudden there's like this juicy headline and you're like that's not what happened. And then you read it and you're like, well, that's what he said, but that is not the context of what happened with the in-house reporter. You never have to worry about saying something wrong. And so you guys in more in general, were more comfortable because you weren't thinking I have to say this, not a, not a way that could be taken the wrong way. Whereas when you talk to me, it's like, if it comes out wrong, I'm, I know the, I know the context of what you meant. I know the spirit of what you meant. You don't have to worry about that with me. Let me tell you a funny story. When I was with the Jets my last year, um, 2012, and there was a this reporter who I consider a close friend. I mean, he's a, I, I like him a lot. But he, you know, in New York, the reporting's tough. I mean, those guys, yeah. those guys, it's tough. Well, they don't in the city. Yeah. Well, and to your point, so this reporter had asked me, he said, "What did you know?" Tim Tebow was on the team and didn't get a lot of chance to play. And I, you know, he said, "What did you think of Tim Tebow?" And I said, "Oh, I would have, you know, I would have liked to see uh, Tim's a great leader." Uh, you know, it would have been nice to see him uh, out there more. He he did a good job, and I think he's a good, you know. And it it got spun, and I feel like I remember it being a headline like, "Devito thinks Jets would have won more games if Tebow would have played." Like it was totally spun. Like I had said, "Oh, the coaches were wrong. We should have played Tebow." I was like, "Bro, that's not what I said. You know, that's not what I said." And a lot of times, it's the editors who set the headlines, yeah. not the beat writers. So the yeah. beat writer writes a story. And all of a sudden, the headline is like, wait a second. And then the beat writer gets called in, and they're like, hey, I didn't do this. I'll forget it was OTAs one year, Eric Fisher, because Andy, you know, Andy Reid does this. He'll, five guys will start, and then he'll mix in a bunch of dudes because you got, right. during the season, guys need to rep next to the other guys just so you can learn how to communicate because inevitably something's going to happen during the season. You got to get out there. Right. That Fisher had taken a rep with like a third team as they were mixing guys in. And then there was a headline the next day. It's like Eric, former number one pick, demoted to third team. 
It was like the middle of May. Like I read it, I'm like, "What are we doing here? He's the first team left tackle out there. Practice every day. Yeah, right. Like a couple of reps with the third team because they were just mixing guys up, and all of a sudden, headline, and then everybody thinks, and then Fish responds the way that anybody would respond to that, and be like, "What the hell is this? Yeah, right. And so it again was never my job to fight false narratives. Uh, <laughs> it took me a while to learn. Um, that it's like, how do you just let people say these things and you know they're not true? Um, <laughs> that's all you would do if you were chasing that kind of stuff around. But, uh, but yeah, that that's an interesting one. And I, I loved getting to know the player. I felt like my job was the conduit between the fans and the players. And the more that we could humanize the players, the stronger the connection would be if you're a Chiefs fan and you feel like you know Mike DeVito a little bit better because of something that we did, a conversation we had, a story that I wrote that fandom and that connection becomes so much stronger when there's an emotional component to it because you feel like you know them as people and not just guys wearing a jersey with a number and a team that you like to root for. Uh, and that's part of that job that I took very, very seriously. Um, all right, a couple more questions. And, oh, here's a good one. Who is the Mike DeVito comp in today's NFL? Who is a player that you watch and you're like, that's kind of like, Kind of like I was. Oh, the the you said the overweight, unathletic, oh. awkward, goofy white dude. Uh let me see. I'll yeah, put it we're... Away, the rock solid run stuffing defensive guy who was yeah. last couple of years intentionally lost some weight to try to be a little bit more agile in the running game. <laughs> or, excuse me, in the in the <laughs> pass rush game. Yeah, and he came in that last year you had lost some weight. Like you were skinny and like moving. you were gonna be a that's Rush Fiend. You're like, I'm just trying to stay on the field, BJ. That's, that's right. That's exactly right. Yeah, it's hard. The game has changed so much. I mean, again, this is another reason why it would be hard for me to be on a team in this NFL is, you know, when you're – so, BJ, you're building a team, right? You've got to compete with Mahomes. Let's say that you're in the AFC. Mahomes, Josh Allen, now Aaron Rodgers, Burrow, right? You're not saying, boy, let's go get a – running back and let's uh get you know let's we're gonna run power and iso and all these things um you know you just you can't compete with that so i came into the league at a time when even tom brady in his prime was running you know th their main groups for the patriots were 13 personnel 12 personnel 22 personnel and they were running the football um and that was how i was able to sort of carve out a niche for myself that's not the case anymore um so saunders from last year um, uh, the D tackle, uh, who went to, uh, New Orleans, he, you know, he was me, but like 2.0 because what did he have five or six sacks? I mean, he's, in the way he, he's, he can run. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so, but like, he's a guy that you plug in to stop the run he's a bigger, good guy, good technique. Um, and I think Coburn fits this mold too, but yeah. even when you watch Coburn, I mean, watching him, uh, playing college some of those reps i mean he was beating blocks and making tfls in the back tackles in the backfield you know i didn't have that just wasn't me right i was going to stay on the line of scrimmage take on double teams you know try to keep the scoop block from getting up to dj uh and then in the pass rush you know it was it was ugly at times i mean it just you know it just wasn't me so guys like me you know i i don't know if you remember like a name like kelly greg yeah. uh, who has played for kansas city he was very much of that mold. Um, He's the Ravens for a long time, wasn't he? Yeah, he was with the Ravens yeah. for, the, for a long time. So, uh, so yeah, that that that's just the the league has changed so much that there really isn't many guys that you 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 know you you wouldn't want to have a guy like me out oh, there. Just no, I'm, you would you know for as me fifty three Mike Devitos. Yeah, you'd have a good <laughs> locker room. You'd have a good <laughs> locker room, but you might not have a very good team. Not nowadays. All right, let's go to to the last question. We'll end this one a fun, on a fun one. Appreciate everybody for hanging out. Uh, this from Zach Forrickle McFor McFortson. I don't know. You know, if I if you're listening to this, Zach, you knew I tried to pronounce your name. It couldn't. I can't pronounce names. <laughs> if you were doing roomy assignments at St. Joe for the KCSN staff, who are you pairing up together as character building exercises? So I'll let you answer. I'm going to jump in here first, give you a second, because I want a second question about training camp roommates. If we got any fun stories from camp, I will say the one combination is that Maddie Lane and Tucker Franklin could not have a room together because that would be ridiculous. Like those two together in Vegas during the Shrine Bowl was ridiculous. Uh, 
I feel like I thought he was in parades with a bunch of Golden Knights people, and Tucker was had a freaking margarita frozen drink that was taller than he was, and he was <laughs> rip swimming random people as we were walking down the strip in Las Vegas. This like where has pass rush moves. This is up. Yeah, this is up. Just walk around and just rip swim everybody. Oh, so, so Maddie and Tucker. Could not room together at camp. Those two oh. always meet everything, and it'd be a mess. You know, I would. I so thinking about myself, like rooming with Craig would be cool. I feel like he's a cerebral dude. I think I'd like to pick his brain. Like, engineer guy, like uh, yeah. uh, obviously very brilliant guy. Yeah, smart dude. So I'd like to. That's sit. a good fit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I also would like to to room with Tucker because I just feel like I would just want a front row seat to those uh, those. Um, crazy uh uh those crazy beers seltzer reviews those seltzer reviews yeah now those look so bad those look just terrible across the board so uh i'd like that i mean that'd, that'd be fun we should do something like that we got i think tucker would be the most requested roommate everybody's yeah. like yeah i gotta request like everybody would pick tucker he's the dustin colquitt of kcsn <laughs> you know what i mean i was just talking i was just talking to him yesterday well, he's one of us too. So he, yeah. So, yeah. so Dustin's on the team. Yeah, I'd want to room. Yeah, Dustin or DJ, that would be fun to room with those guys. Uh, you got pranks. You have pranks you got left pranks. and right. You do. Dustin would be on. Dustin could give an entire like podcast series on all the pranks that he did. He was some of which can maybe there's statute of limitations. He can share some of them publicly <laughs> now that he did. He did some messed up stuff. Every time I would go in my room after, uh, you know, we we get in for the night, like I'm looking under my bed, looking under my closet, making sure there's not a video camera. So somebody hiding yeah. underneath my bed, you know, because I'm like, Dustin's gonna get everybody. Frogs in the in the bathroom. I mean, that dude. I don't know where he came up with all those ideas, but that's funny. Those are some of the ones you can share. Some of the other ones, we'll let we'll let Dustin speak. <laughs> Dustin, I'll bring it up. Yeah. Yeah. All right. We appreciate it, buddy, for hanging out. Uh, BJ Kistelets, Mike DeVito. This has been 21 Questions. Please leave us uh, a five-star review if you enjoyed what you heard. If you're watching on YouTube, please hit like and subscribe and go ahead and follow us. Make sure you don't miss anything. We'll continue having consistent content throughout OTAs as we get ready for training camp and get set for the 2023 NFL season. Mike, we'll let you take us home, but we appreciate everybody for hanging out. Yeah, love you, Chiefs Kingdom. Thank you, BJ. Thanks for having me on, brother. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Don't forget to hit that follow button and leave us a review if you like what you heard and think others would as well. You can find all six of our channels at KCSN. Covering the Chiefs, the Royals, Sporting KC, and the KC Current. Plus KU, K-State, or Mizzou. By searching KCSN wherever you listen to podcasts. We're also on YouTube. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network.